U2's pop has turned 25 and the Garden Tarts are celebrating all year long. So tune in each week because Jenny and Hillary have found the keys to the time machine. They're heading back to 1997 to find all that nostalgia and the sugar dropping, bubble popping, rock and roll. It's time for Pop the Album. Pop the Album? It is. It's been a long time coming. It is. It's our first Tart Talk of 2022. It is. Oh my gosh. Exciting. It's, this is, I feel like the official launch of All Pop all year. All Pop all year. Despite some previous ups. Yep. We're doing this and and then we have the rest of the year of excitement. (laughs) Right? Yep. So... Why don't you tell us about Pop? It's an album by the band U2. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was released March 3rd, 1997, recorded from 1995 to 1996 at Hanover Key in Dublin, Windmill Lane in Dublin, The Works in Dublin, and South Beach in Miami. Yeah. The length of the album is one hour and nine minutes. Um, there were six singles, Discotheque, which was released February 3rd, 97, Staring at the Sun, April 15th, 97, Last Night on Earth, July 14th, 97, Please, October 20th, 97, If God Will Send His Angels, December 8th, 97, and MoFo. Also, December 8, 97. Um, Six singles. Have they ever... What band releases? It's like half the album. I know. I don't know. I think they were trying to find the one. Um, It uh, For that week, the week of its release, um, it pretty much hit number one on all the charts except in Hungary, it was two, and in Japan, it was two. Everywhere else, U.S., U.K., everywhere, it was one, number one. Um, it was ranked at the year-end uh, chart performances. It was ranked 45 in the U.S., 25 in the U.K. Uh, Discotech hit. Number one in Ireland, Canada, and the UK. It topped at 10 in the US. Um, Staring at the Sun topped at two in Canada, three UK, 20, uh, and at 26 in the US, four in Ireland. Last Night on Earth, progressively they did worse. Yeah. And um, MoFo. Please and if God will send His angels didn't didn't chart in uh, the U.S. at all. I think I saw that if God will send His angels only charted in the U.K. Uh, it it only charted in Canada. Oh, in Canada. Okay. Yeah. I have noted that there was a quick drop in sales after the first week the album was out and the discotheque was out, but then Staring at the Sun put pop 
back on the airwaves and spurred more yeah. album sales. I think there was this huge excitement for this huge band's new album, and then everyone bought it. Their dance album, their pop album. And then they were like, oh. <laughs> not what I thought I was getting. Exactly, and they maybe did not uh, it encourage was, their friends to buy it. <laughs> right. It was produced by Flood, Howie B, and Steve Osborne. Um, it, I mean, obviously, we'll get there song by song, but the album had a lot of problems. I think... One problem was obviously their time constraints um, because their uh, Paul McGinnis booked the tour before the album was finished. <laughs> and apparently that's just the worst thing that could ever happen. Yeah. Um, I think the album suffered from poor promotion. And as you taught me today that the running order is not good. Oh, okay. Yeah. When you listen to it, it, it backwards, not that that's the correct running order, but I feel like the songs take on a totally different meaning. If you play them out of order, like more meaning to me. And I feel like that might be part of what suffered was that. I don't know if they didn't take the time to like get every song in its right place. Yeah. Um, definitely the A side is, I mean, most of their albums are like that. The A side's happier than the B side. Yeah. Um, but also it predominantly this album was sold in CDs, so it didn't really matter. So what, so we'll do this up in two parts. Yes. We'll record it all right now. Where does side, what's the last song on side A? It doesn't say, but I'm assuming it's Last Night on Earth. Yeah. Well, we'll go with that. Makes sense. How many songs are on the album? Twelve. So we'll go with that. Sounds good. Well, I have a few things to report. One is that it was almost called Pop for Men or Pop for Homme. En Francais, <laughs> still pop for men. I feel like pop for men is should be like the sequel to Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah, it sure should. Oh my God, that's hilarious. It did get a lot of mixed reviews. The, it's, they call it the critic, critically acclaimed, or not cri- critically the album was giving glowing but guarded reviews from writers. So I have two things. I want to read part of the review from Rolling Stone. And then I have a little piece that Carter Allen wrote in his book, The Road to Pop, that came out before Pop Mart happened. So he'd heard the album, but there, there obviously hadn't been a long time for it to sit, you know. So Rolling Stone said... I gave him four stars and said, if people have stopped caring, it wouldn't be U2's fault. With pop, they've defied the odds and made some of the greatest music of their lives. Pretty heroic stuff, come to think of it. But then, like, the Boston Globe was was more guarded. I don't even feel like reading that one. But Carter Allen, I like this. And I want us, as we move forward in this project of U2 albums, and we come across some things that, don't sit with us as well as others. <laughs> I want us to think about this. All of us. That includes y'all listening. He said. Okay. 
Our job is to try and listen to pop for enjoyment, allowing the album to work its magic before trying to place the music in a box. Whether pop is a great album or not will only be proven in time, but it should be given a proper chance. That's our side of the deal. U2 has already done theirs. Nice. I I mean, it is enjoyment. You know, one of the things, one of my notes, I'm like the moral of the story, and this isn't unique to pop, but, but I think uh, it, it, harms pop more than it than other albums but i think everyone the band the fans everybody critics everybody is guilty of overthinking mm-hmm. this album there's one song i i kind of go into that a little bit more yeah but if you just kind of accept it at face value it's a really good album right but we don't do that no one does that with you too because right. there's so many different levels of you too um and Edge says that the themes of the album are love, desire, and the crisis of faith, the usual stuff. Yeah. But the presentation isn't supposed to make you be thoughtful. No. So Larry says, I like the name Pop, the cover, and the packaging even, if it didn't bear any resemblance to the content on the record. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so many themes, obviously. But one of the things Bono said about making the album he says he hates when common sense gets in the way of a good project and again i I feel like that's on the same level as overthinking it yeah i mean i haven't heard that quote before yeah yeah um so then my opinion kind of is again just like almost every youtube album the theme is i love you but i hate you (laughs) yes and that could be a lover that could be god but it's Love is definitely the best or the worst, but really the best, but the worst ever. (laughs) And have fun, but not too much fun. Don't take things too seriously. Seriously. Really seriously. Don't take things that seriously. And I think that's... Mic drop. (laughs) Done. We're done. Um, So part of the... Another, I think, slight misstep with the album is that when they started recording, Larry was recovering from back surgery and the rest of the band felt like they couldn't wait for him. So they put together a drum machine and and a lot of sequences from that, which, I mean, you can hear that all through the album, but I do feel like there's certain songs that are missing like a human quality. Yeah. Um, in the drums. I don't really hear it so much other places, but there are a handful of songs that I feel like there's not a human playing. Yeah. The drums. And I presume that's a purposeful feel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, absolutely. But, you know, I don't know. I feel, I mean, clearly this isn't one of Larry's favorite albums either. Right. But I do kind of have a little bit of sympathy for him mm-hmm. in that regard. So um, another one of the things that kind of is laughable about the album was Bono and I talk about this from time to time, but that before they started recording, they decided to buy a compound of sorts in the south of France. 
Yeah. And uh, Bono and Edge proposed this arrangement to it to Larry and Adam, who promptly laughed <laughs> like this was the stupidest idea ever for them to be, you know, all together like that. And then Larry and Adam moved to New York together. <laughs> where they, you know, decided to hone their skills together. But it just kind of makes me laugh. Because, right. heck no, we're not going to take our time off together and then stay. Let's go to New York. <laughs> Which just... To hats me, and haircuts. Yeah. Hats, hats and haircuts. Definitely hats and haircuts. All the time. Okay, should we talk about our drink? Yes. Of which I already need more. You do. Usually we have a shot that we do. But we decided to class this one up. With a proper beverage. For the occasion. For the occasion. It is called the Holy Joe. And it contains champagne and yeah, ice cream. But really. what I want. It's, it's what, what I, I need. need. But really, it's sparkling wine and sherbet. But <laughs> it's still fancy. It's mango. Mango with a little ginger ale. I'm bringing it over to us. I had it sitting on the bar of my basement, and I quickly realized that that's just too far away. It's really good. It's a very good drink. Champagne and ice cream. Okay. So, we're heading into Discotech, the first song. And this is a little bit, like, all-encompassing on the album. This one little comment I have. And, and this really, like, just changed my listening of the entire album this little, this thing. And I knew that they had been listening to a lot of hip hop and techno and stuff, but I was going through the liner notes and finding the songs that had snippets or inspired by other songs and then went and listened to those songs. And then, you know, reading about how we be would play them stuff and how they would start playing over it and jamming over it and Bono would start singing over it. And this the whole craft of how like trip hop, techno and hip hop are the launching points for all of these songs. I was just like, this is just like a whole different way of making music than they've done before. And I, it's pretty cool. Very cool. It's pretty cool. Like I was like, oh, I just, I've always had respect for this album. Yeah. But I just kind of. Uh, craft-wise, see it in a very different way now. It's probably the most hip-hop album they'll ever make. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) And I sure as hell hope so. In the sense that hip-hop is famous for for sampling, turning it into something new. Yeah, yeah. Not that they are in any sense actually (laughs) hip-hop. Right. So I kind of was... I don't know what I was waiting for, something. And, you know, for a few weeks, I've been listening to pop and reading commentary and notes, and Jenny and I have talked about it, and I'm not sure what it was, but I was waiting for something to hit me, something that made this album more cohesive, I think, in my head. And... This afternoon, I just, I don't know why, I just started thinking about me in the 90s. And all I did in the, especially the mid to late 90s, was I lived to go out and see my friends' bands play in these little clubs and these 
little venues and, and most of them were dance clubs. So they weren't really playing dance music, but they were dance clubs. And I had this, this routine that I called a friend of mine that was in a band, one of my different friends for different bands, but I would call and say, Hey, what time are you, are you going on tonight? The answer was always 10 (laughs) o'clock, but this was my way of saying, Hey, put me on the list without being greedy (laughs) and asking to be put on the list. So I started thinking about it and I notoriously would not go out before 10 o'clock because I, nothing fun happened before 10. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I did. I went out at 10 o'clock every night. Um, and I listening to discotheque and listening to the album entirely today, it just kind of hit me. That's what pop is. Pop goes from like 10 PM and it ends at like 7 AM. Oh yeah. So it's a whole night out. And I kind of figured songs that go along with time, important times. Oh, over, I love this. Over the night. At least, you know, that's how I lived. That's how I lived in 97. Yeah. More 98, because 97, I was going to a lot of U2 shows. But when I wasn't, I was going to these nightclubs, discotheques. <laughs> and American style. My life. Um, so I feel like. Like there's also a common theme that with, I think, a lot of U2 songs is that I love hearing Bono do his own backing vocals. Like, I don't care. I understand technology. (laughs) I understand, you know, that you can overdub and you can layer and I can, you know, make magic happen on my phone. I understand the concept. It's still just the coolest thing ever. And in discotheque, at one point, I think I hear four Bono singing at the same time. Wow. And some of those guys can really sing, and some of those guys are clearly struggling. But together, they sound great. Bono's always been a nice bunch of guys. Always been a nice Um, bunch of guys. But he discusses his vocals um, from pop that... He was having difficulty um, singing because he had started smoking. And and you can hear that in discotheque, but it's like his good voices kind of drown out <laughs> bad voices. Um, in terms of the lyrics of discotheque, again, going back to my years of clubbing, you know, you get on the dance floor and there's some kind of confusion always. It's like, is that guy looking at me? And who did, you know, where were my friends? And how did I, <laughs> how did this happen? And, you know, like, yeah, it's yeah. just a lot going on at one time. And I don't know, I feel that. I feel like you can, you can get that, like, in yeah. disco test. Yeah. It, it's dance floor confusion. So I, And this happens, I feel like, every time we do one of these Tart Talks. And one of my main, or our main resources, is Niall Stokes' book, where he goes through all the songs. And very often, there's a song I love, and I don't know how to put words to it. And he he does it, which is why he's a writer, and I'm a 
blabbering podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) But he said, and I just feel like this is the perfect sum up, that it's an earnest little riddle about love disguised as trash. It's self-consciously kitsch and undeniably rocks like a monster. That's amazing. I just think that those three little bits are just perfect. Carter Allen called it a mirrorball anthem. Oh, d- definitely. Yeah. So, so a lyric that I didn't notice, we look at the lyrics as we're doing this, and they're from YouTube.com, so take what you want from that. But the part, I always thought it was, let's go, let's go, discotheque. But it's let go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And that's a whole different thing. Totally different. Thing. Whole different thing. So take with that what you want. And then at the end, when, um, again, it's like the let go. But you take what you can get because it's all that you can find. Oh, you know, there's something more. But tonight, boom, cha. Like, just let it go. But it's such a great song. So it's been played 156 times. How many times have you heard it live? 16. Six. I heard it 11 plus three snippets I wrote down. I didn't count my snippets. Snippets were in 2011. The band put mirror balls and disco lights around the studio to try and set the mood, of course. And this is interesting, just talking about like the techno and hip-hop stuff that it all started with a 15-minute jam between Edge on bass and Howie B. And then Bono joined in. But then, funny enough, it says absolutely nothing remains from the initial jam. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, how is that news? (laughs) It's it's 10 p.m. p.m. You already started drinking at home. Yep. You arrived at the club. And the party has started. Maybe there was a little smoke had too. Yeah, but there was, you're not arriving sober. Nope, not arriving sober. Ready to go. Well, part of that is because don't have that much money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you got to make pre-game. most of your time and your, and your money. So you don't eat dinner and you go, you don't get there before 10 o'clock and you don't get there entirely sober. Nope. Well, oh, this was fun. This is fun that, as you do, when you're in a band like you two, and the album has already been sent out to be mastered or whatever, you call up one of your producers and tell them to change something. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess Bono called up Howie B, who was apparently on his way to some show he really wanted to go to, and said the intro to Discotech needed to be more of a swirl. A swirl. A swirl. So I don't know what it was before, but now you know. It was like a wave. A jump. <laughs> or like a rocks. Rocks. <laughs> it was a skip. <laughs> it was a skip. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Allie was pretty fucking pissed. Yeah. According to some quotes from him. But this is what you do when you're employed by. Crazy rock stars. Yeah. Deed indeed. Okay, do you feel loved? So Edge said that it was a great thought that never really became a great song. I disagree with that. I I think that it 
it didn't quite find its place on the album, but if you judge it on its own, I think I think it's amazing. And the bass is just yeah. the bass on everything on this album is nuts. I put um, Adam's riffs are everything. Funky grooves. Yes. Um and you know, maybe this was an attempt at a dancey pop song, but I think all of the technology covers up some of Bono's most sophisticated lyrics. And this is like a class in advanced poetry, but you got to dig for it. It's not just like blatantly yeah. there, but I mean, take the colors of my imagination, take the scent hanging in the air, take this tangle of a conversation and turn it into your own prayer. Jesus. I mean, that I can read that and be like, I know exactly what that means. Yeah. But I have no idea what the fuck it means. No, but it's just gorgeous. And that's not. Yeah. I mean, the the way that he writes these words there, this is not, I don't, I just feel like there's something different. And this is maybe a good thing to ask over. Whiskey and cake. Whiskey and cake. Well, what's different about how this song was written? Because it's something very different than anything else on the album. It's noted, I've noted that the lyrics are remarkably confessional. Mm-hmm. And Bono says that it's quite a question, but there is no question mark on it. We took it out because we thought it was a bit heavy with it. This is where I first heard one of the um, songs from another artist. So y'all go look up Naked Funk and the track Alien Groove Sensation. You'll be like, holy shit. So they did not sample from that song, but it says inspired by. It does sound, it's it's the same, but it's not the same. Like it sounds like Edge actually playing or something. To me, this is a thousand percent an alley marriage song. Yeah. With probably lots of other things. But, you know, things that she might say to her, like, take these hands, they're good for nothing. You know, these hands never work today. Take these boots, they're gonna, going nowhere. You know, these bo- boots don't want to stray. Like, um, definitely. Yeah. Then, I mean, and, like, there's heat in the sun to see us through the rain, like, through sickness and in health. <laughs> I don't know. Um, in the belly of a woman. Like, it's... This is a crazy heavy song and we were talking and we're not going to get into the pop mart stuff because we're going to talk about that later i would love to ask bono whiskey and cake about what would he change for this song live because i think it has huge potential oh i agree but it obviously didn't work it was only played eight times i'm surprised they played it they played the first eight shows yeah you heard it once i heard it twice i heard it once and it was shit Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you know how Bono's, I mean, Bono's vocals are very kind of low and a little monotonous. I don't mean that in a bad way. Just the, um, there's not, but it felt like the whole song was like that. It's, it. There's nothing big in it. No, you're totally right. It is like just blah, but you just gotta listen. I mean, God, like, I, I don't know. I've always liked the lyrics, but until I... I mean, most of the songs on this album, I feel like I kind of, I don't know, have a new opinion of them since we've done research for this app. As the Tart Talks tend to do. Yeah. But I just, I, I'm so in love with these lyrics. Like, 
there's something different there I don't I mean I don't know how he came up with how he wrote the lyrics but it just seems like something very very different than how regular because his regular lyrics they're so precise that it's like it was like it like some of these verses were already written as poetry and maybe that's it is there iambic pentameter i don't know i don't remember that stuff there's just something different about it that i would like if you are bono or no bono ask him if he would like to have whiskey and cake with us and discuss how he wrote the lyrics to do you feel loved and any other lyric he would like to share yeah just don't avoid the question don't avoid the question you can talk about what you had for breakfast, too, but we would really like to know the answer to this. Like, what we had for breakfast. I was, was going to say, and tell us what we had for breakfast. Yeah. I know what I had for breakfast. Probably coffee and a croissant. Yeah, I also had spinach and eggs. Mm. You didn't know that one, did you? No, I did not. I didn't yeah. even know. Because <laughs> you were snoozing. Oh my gosh, we're recording a Tart Talk together in the same room. Oh my god, room. I know it. And it's going really well. No. Remember we thought, we're like, oh, can we do it? Oh no. We didn't do it now. We would die next week trying to get this done. Oh god, yeah. Okay. Song three. Mm. I have so much written about this song. I have a lot of small comments. I Look how much I... Gosh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, Mofo, it's been played 107 times. I've heard it 16. I've heard it nine. It was exactly how many Pop Mart shows I saw. Yeah, I saw 16 shows. Um, it's, Bono says it's like his whole life in one song. And I feel like it's, it has to have one of the most amazing opening lines, opening lyrics ever. Looking forward to save my, save my soul. I mean, just, oh, God, just right away, right off the bat. He says, I specifically have used this quote in conjunction to the lyric, looking for the baby Jesus under the trash. Bono says that the theme of this album, I mean, obviously they're like 200 themes, but mm-hmm. maybe that's one of the problems. Um, but it's big subjects in the basement. Uh-uh. I really like that. Like, that to me just... Right. Really, really... I thought it was amazing. Just talking about that opening line, the looking for the save my, save my soul. Like, I, like... I just get chills, like, it starts with, like, Larry. And then Adam comes in. And then it's, like, this explosion from Edge. What yeah. did he calls that? His 757? It's supposed to... It sounds like a plane taking off. And apparently, whoever he was working with I think for the whoever, I guess maybe Joe Hurley, because it was sound for the shows, where he figured Edge figured out oh, how long he could make that sound go before the speakers would explode or something and then like scale that. it back up. Yeah. <laughs> but I wonder then, how many speakers he had to lose to find that. But then, like, it stops and then Bono comes in. Yeah. And it's like, which is really, really pronounced live, but we're not getting into. But it's like, so oh it, my God, I love this song so much. There's a sound in it that 
So I remember recording things off my off the radio with my tape recorder, <laughs> my tape deck, and like there was a sound that the tape recorder made on the tape when you hit play and record at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was just this. I can play. hear it. Yeah. yeah, I hear that. It's a. It's not a no- noise. When the I, song starts. Yeah. Interesting. It, it and then there's a little part where it sounds like there it's like play and record. record yeah and then but it, I, I mean obviously that's not what it is but stranger things for some happened. reason I, I hear that sound in there so motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> um bonus says it's such a dumb cliche <laughs> you want to have good reason to use it mm-hmm. which kind of came around today because one of your children said shit, and you said, I don't think you're using shit properly. <laughs> it was not. No. It was not a. Nope. She walked past her backpack on the way upstairs and said, oh, shit, I forgot my backpack. It's like, no, that, that, it's colorful language. Use it colorfully. Right, right. Inappropriately. But that line, Bono's line, I mean, you, yeah. you wanted to make sure that you. If you're going to use motherfucker, even in its mofo state, you, you, gotta mean you it. better mean it. You better use that correctly because it's just such a great, there's nothing else that you can use instead of mofo. So you don't want to waste it on right. something that's not. He also said it's it's interesting how it like started as an insult and it turned into a compliment. Yeah. Like it was an insult we called him motherfucker. And I was like, oh, he said, yeah, sweet ass motherfucker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, There's a few. As as you do when you're writing a song like this, there's some lyrical quotes looking to fill the God shape hole is Salman Rushdie. And still looking for the face I had before the world was made was William Butler Yeats. And the other thing, I thought this was a lyrical reference, but white dopes on punk staring into the flash. There is a Patrick McKay book, and I forget which one it is, but he's an Irish author that I think I learned about through Gavin Friday, actually. I love it. Such an amazing author. I need to reread some of his stuff that I've read. But he has a, a chapter that's white punks on dope. And so I always, until today, made the assumption that that was... From, from that, it turns out it's a song by the Tubes, hmm. White Punks on Dope, which is actually, we looked it up today. One half back. Edge and Bono started it, and then Adam started adding in this Motown bass part. And then I'm not sure who said this, they said they spent, they spent months farting around with it, and then Flood came in and it rose from the ashes. Bono says that he had tape deck in his car and they were playing mofo in the car going around for kind of a club crawl but they wouldn't go into the club because they just wanted to hear the song one more time there was so he said we couldn't get over ourselves remember when i said before i was like bono has a quote that's how i feel about this song yeah i can't get over this song i remember i'm like who the fuck is this band right oh my god I don't know who said this either. Oscillating between throwaway and the profound 
It's the best shot yet of capturing the demon spirit that drives Bono. I love that. I love that. So um, I have a few lyrical comments, but Mm -hmm. they're kind of not in order. Go for it. Um, So the lyric, I'm still a child, but no one tells me no. I my mind just kind of ran with this one. I mean, I've heard I love it that a million times, but I was thinking we're sitting around with Bono and he's like, "May I have some whiskey and cake?" And we're like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's how that's what things look like in my head. No. No. Please? No. Oh, it is like that. Sees? That's no. like rock stardom, though, right? It is. Tell You're treated like a child. Yeah. You get to play like a child. Yeah. But you also get to wreck yourself and everything around you if you choose to. Along with that, obviously, you know, he's singing to his mother. And I think I've said this before, but I don't know. It really kind of hit me. I've said it before, but he really is in this state of arrested development. Yeah. And hashtag arrested development. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He really is like, I mean, you know, he says it, but I don't think it's ever more apparent than it is in this song, maybe Iris also. But this is a big one for showing that, you know, when he talks about his mother, he's never going to age past the age. Yeah. Like Gavin Friday says this song, it's Led Zeppelin after taking E, but it's got real heart in it. Yeah. And I love Bono's plea to his mother. Yeah. I thought that, t- I love that. I also have highlighted that quote. I mean, she, yeah, like she's everything. So we, we heard a new song not too long ago, years ago. And I was like, I have not heard this band since MoFo. Do you know what song that could have been? Mm-mm. It's blackout. Oh, yeah. It's when they did that like live video yeah. on Facebook. Remember that, or it was on YouTube? Yeah. No, it was like a Facebook event or something, wasn't it? Because they they made the video in like that airplane hangar or something, like the actual video for the blackout. Okay. And they released it. The official debut was, I think it was a Facebook live event. Huh. The band wasn't live. You just had to sit there and wait for the countdown to go. Then everyone could watch the video together for the first time. I vaguely remember that. Instantly, I was like, we have not heard this band since MoFo. Like, this is my motherfucking band. (laughs) Speaking of MoFo. An appropriate use. I love that band. The lyric, uh, looking for the sound that's going to drown out the world. I feel like that... Like in a microcosm is every YouTube. I was band. gonna say, isn't that their entire presence? And and what we're, I mean, that that speaks for me at least. Yeah. I mean, isn't that what we're all looking for? Mm-hmm. Um, and the sweetest line, which I just, he says, looking for the father of my two little girls. So sweet. He only had two kids, and they were little, and now they're all grown up. And he has two more. Yeah. But that just, when I remember hearing that for the first time and just feeling like, you know, he's a proud daddy. But I remember being at a show and I don't remember where it was. And I knew family was in the, um, yeah, the mix. And for that line, he like came up and like yeah peered over the audience. No, I think that was DC. Was it? Okay. That makes sense. 
So the lyric, still looking for the face I had before the world was made. This is also a theme that I think runs into Gone, and I'll get that. I'll get back to that later. Oh, okay. We'll get there. Yeah. I had to. I had a giggle that in the lyrics after the second verse, it's mother, mother, second rock and roll. Then it just says scat singing, which I was like, that is very clearly bubble pop and sugar dropping. Yeah. Like we all know that line. Like that is a key part <laughs> of my existence, I think. Right. And they have it as scat singing. So do you think that maybe they said Bono write down the YouTube.com said Bono write down the lyrics? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I'll just put scat singing. <laughs> it's so clear. He I don't know. There's other gets... times there's scat singing that will come up on that isn't noted. Yeah. He often gets lyrics incorrect, so that would be my own. It's just crazy that he calls out for his mother and then says mother suck in rock and roll. Kind of keep going back to during uh, E and I, he, I can't remember the whole, his whole little talk, but he says it's only rock and roll, my arse. <laughs> right. And no shit. Only rock and roll, like that's our lives. Yeah. I mean, more so his, obviously. Literally, yeah. But I don't take that lightly. It's it's only rock and roll. Uh. Mm. So should we move on to the next? I guess so. I just. Mofo. I just. That's one of the. I'm talking about. Yeah, we can move on. That's one of the ones that I'm talking about, the drum machine. Even though oh. the, it, it's such a great song, it just, there's a little bit of Robot Larry in oh, it. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's not, like, I noted that it's definitely, like, an enhanced European dance culture. Yeah. And it's a song that could easily be remixed for club format, which is my guess why they released it as a single, that they were looking for a a club chart yeah oh absolutely not a pop chart <laughs> you're talking about this in the car i think this song i think it was this song came on i think and i said it was easily in my top 10 mm-hmm. yet i will not commit to what that top 10 yeah is. yeah anyway there's one on here though that i say is in my top 10 and i commit to it but we'll get there later yeah okay i'm sure that it's no surprise to anybody right Okay, so if God will send his angels, it was played 25 times. I heard it seven. I heard it five, plus a dozen plus more times in slow motion. (laughs) (laughs) God, how many? A dozen. I feel like it was. I said a dozen plus plus more. Plus many. Hours. Many, many, many hours. But that's it was played another, in such slow motion that maybe it was just a few times. Yeah, that's an, that's for another, that's for... You'll have to wait till the end of the year for that one. Yeah. Okay, so... Wait, I'm pouring you, angels. I'm pouring you more Holy Joe. Thank you. Because I'm heading into my third, and you're still going say your first. I don't want any... Um, ginger ale? Ginger ale, though. Okay. Okay, so Edge says... The full, uh, <laughs> the full sonic assault between dance and rock only lasted for three songs. <laughs> By the time we got to God Will Send His Angels, we were back on more familiar U2 territory. 
it's a nice tune, but the chorus doesn't quite connect. I disagree with that. I think that the core I think this song's just fine. It's clearly about massive tragedy. And I feel like it actually is some of Bono's most personal lyrics. And I don't, I feel funny about that always. Yeah. He says it's about a woman in an abusive relationship. I like that he says most U2 albums have been conceived in an imaginary location when mind pop is different. The record doesn't seem to have any physical place that it's centered in. Instead, to me, the songs are like conversations, overheard conversations. It's like a movie that opens in the middle of a scene. You're brought immediately into the action, and there's a lot of little arguments going on. And it is. It's like... Is that quote from Niall Stokes? Yes. So the U- the YouTube by YouTube, his quote is is significantly different. Really? Yeah. Uh, he says, well, firstly, he says, funny, if we could sing and play like Prince, that would have been a top 10. He says, it's a song that, sorry, it's a song of quiet anger at the way the world is and God's failure to intervene. He said a few people around him had experienced some awfulness that they just couldn't forgive God for. Personally, I don't look at the world as a place where God is in charge of everything that happens. I think it's up to us how much we let God into our lives. I don't think that is different. It's he doesn't say anything. He talks about people close to him that went through awfulness. He doesn't talk about like a battered woman or anything. Oh, I didn't. The battered woman was that wasn't that. Oh, that wasn't from. He said that other times. Okay. He didn't know what this was. No, no, no. He said, (laughs) what I like about what he says is that all like these songs on this album and especially this one is like a movie that opens with the middle in the middle of a scene. Like you're coming into a conversation that is already right. Most of the way through and you don't hear the beginning and you don't hear the end. That's part. I have heard him say that it's kind of potentially about a woman who's abused. But um, as we talked earlier, abuse comes in so many forms. And and he tells stories to tell stories. Right. Absolutely. Um, So he said in a radio interview years and years ago that I really, I couldn't tell you where the, like what was, when it was or anything, but it just always kind of has, I've carried some of his words with me. One was, one part of the quote is that he said, the thing about being generous is letting other people be generous to you. It, It was a conversation about money and his money. And, you know, he said that you can have all the money in the world, but it's not gonna bring back the dead. It'll buy you the spade to dig them back up. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not going to bring them back. And I feel like it's likely, I don't know when that interview was, but it's likely he was talking about the themes in this song. He says, it's been a while since we saw that child hanging around this neighborhood. So like, you know, maybe for a while there wasn't the, the subjects in this song, there wasn't 
tragedy for a while and then there was tragedy and the high street never looked so low. So that's the theme again with the spade. Yeah. You know, you, you can have all the money in the world, but you can't, it's not going to buy you anything like that. A shovel. Yeah. Like that whole four lines right there is, I just, it's all just such despair. Absolute despair. Um, It's the stuff. The stuff of, of country, country songs. songs. But one of the, I don't know, the, the with despair, one of the lines that just, I highlight it because it just gets me, but so so where's the hope and where's the faith and the love? Um, I don't know. I just, this song just means a lot to me. It always has. I mean, from seeing it live, I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like this song's always kind of, from the first time I heard it, it just kind of resonated with me. Again, another Bono theme, but and you never know when he's talking about like romantic love or God love or whatever. But mm-hmm. I mean, I like that he says he doesn't he doesn't think that God is in charge of everything happening. And I don't know, that just really does resonate with me. Like, I mean, the whole line, God's got his phone off the hook, babe, would even pick up if he could. That's that's what he's saying. Like yeah. God isn't in charge. He's not Mm-mm. in charge of everything. But then there's another. Why can't I? Find, I don't know. It must be if it's in a different. God, I thought it was in this song. What? Um, it's about God missing again in a moment when someone needed help. I can't. Oh, it's in Wake Up Dead Man. We'll talk about it when we get there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Again, same thing. I mean, where's God when you need him? Right. Um, yeah. In the single, if God will send his angels and, and again, you know, and I think, you know, Bong mostly writes about his own life and stuff, but clearly, I mean, if you, obviously Octung baby is full of, you know, other people's stories too about love and, but it's all connected to it's him all connected through friendship him. and yeah. love and family and yeah. But in the single, the end of the song is one of my favorite little additions to, I have a handful of these, but to me it's a conversation. So the first speaker says, and I don't have to know how, and I don't need to know why. And the second speaker says, and I don't want to promise because I don't want to lie. Just know that I need you tonight. To me, that is about adultery. Like, the first person is just saying, I don't need to know. And the second person is saying, you know, I'm not going to make you any promises because I don't want to lie. But right now, we're good. And I just feel like that's just brutal, brutally honest. And I kind of love it. And I love the conversation. It's like there's another one in here, I think, that I think I recently discovered. And I wrote down that a betrayal amongst lovers, and it could be adultery. It could be drugs. It could be like, I mean, so many things. Betrayal amongst someone that you trust and love. And how that's not always the end. Right. It's like why people stay in bad relationship it, absolutely it also could mean it could be you know a story about 
hey, I told you to bring home milk after work. And like, I, I didn't promise you because I didn't want to lie that I was going to go get milk when I wasn't really going to get the milk. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying it could be about anything. Yeah. I believe it is about adultery. It's but just, it feels really obvious. Yeah. Like when you said that, I was like, oh, oh. Yeah. Like I didn't even have to like read into right. it. But it it's also just, it's one of those lines where, if the guy that I was in a relationship with wrote stuff like that, it would piss me off. Even if people knew it wasn't a, you know, like it's just one of those brute, like I, like I've said it with, with or without you. And all I want is you like, I don't know. I just would not be the happiest of people if someone thought that I was part of that conversation. Yeah. But I'm not, so we're yeah. all good. It's just, to me, it just shows how complicated life is in love and relationships, whether they're good or bad. Yeah. So this is back from, dates back from, um, I'm sorry, dates back to Zeropa, but was never recorded. Carter Allen called it a pearl in an oyster. He thought it was like their next with or without you or something like that. And I mean, obviously... Like, Carter Allen's a big fan. Yeah. And high hopes and forgiving and all this. And he's written some stuff that I really, really agree with. And, you know, maybe hindsight's a bitch. But I, to me, it's the God. This mm-hmm. was not going to make it on the radio. No. no. People don't want to hear about God on the radio. Not the radio stations I listen to. Mm-mm. Even if it's not really about God. Right. But there is a lot of hope. It's strange that the music has hope. The lyrics don't. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And Larry's, I wrote down something, Larry's bass drum and tambourine. It's just, it's more than anything in this song. It's gorgeous. It's it's a great song. Okay. Super cool video. We'll talk about it later. Very cool. Starring really cool people. Not you too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're cool, but that's not who we're talking about. No. <laughs> okay, next song is Staring at the Sun. It, <laughs> it was played 158 times. I've heard it 25, but I think those numbers are a little off because we heard it twice in Vegas alone. Yeah. <laughs> Which we'll talk about later, but it, it was a... I wonder if they count that as twice. I don't know, but <laughs> sure, it was a full song. Almost full song. <laughs> right. Um, so... I read it 12 times, and I wrote down, I found two snippets. In one of the articles that I read, it said the band felt this would be an anthem to rival one. To me, it sounds like I I I love how it sounds like I feel like, you know, the last days of summer kind of thing. It's like before the summer's over, you're already like mourning the good weather and the beach. And, you know, it's 
it is, a, it's like morning, you know, like you're going to have to go back to reality of crappy weather and school or whatever you, you know. And then you listen to this and it takes you back. It too. takes you back. But it also is with the understanding that it's not going to last her up. Yeah. Um, so you think about its sister song. Which is Summer of Love. Which Bono says back in during Pop Mart, Edge said that Bono called the summer that they spent the first summer they spent together in France. Their families spent together in south of France. He called it the summer of love because it was just fun and everyone was together and people don't bother them or didn't bother them in the south of France and they would have just all their friends and family with them and it was Bono called it Summer of Love. Hmm. Okay. So I I really like that. I think um, it's interesting though because I think it's it's actually the song's two parts. Um from the beginning and then the second part starts with will we ever live in peace so like the first part doesn't sound like it's about the troubles it's right about northern ireland at all that's the part that sounds like fun summer at the beach and then i feel like the second part is almost like well we're home now <laughs> And here's some reality. But it's disjointed. The top and the bottom of the song, I just feel like they're great, but it's like two different songs in one. So it's interesting because, I mean, I love this song. And in general, I understand the general reference of like staring at the sun, happy to go blind. Like, yeah, there's. A lot of stuff there that they turned into really modern day politics, but I think goes back. I think it's to the literal staring at the yeah to literal staring at the sun, but also like believing the conspiracy, believing conspiracy theories and stuff. But so apparently, so many of these things were just laying around life, stuck together with God's glue, is the name of a something happens album that was in the studio. The band Something Happens. Howie B had an abscess in his ear. And those lyrics always baffled me. Like, why are we itch and burning and stinging? Like, what happened? Yeah. And then there was a lot of TV on in the background and newspaper headlines lying around. Um, It did a lot of stuff. The referee won't blow the whistle. The European Cup was on. (laughs) Like, it was all part of daily life. For sure. Bono did say all these references are quite personal, but they wouldn't be there if they were just personal. Right. He said, I think it nails a certain mood where you actually don't want to know the truth because lies are more comforting. And I also feel like that line lets us off the hook. Yeah. With trying to figure out what the song's about. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a rarity in a YouTube song that he's just lets he's just let like it go. Yeah, let it go. He um, said something on E and I from the stage one night saying that they don't actually even remember what the song was about. Interesting. it's interesting. But it sure the fuck fits 
that storyline on the E&I tour? So, I mean, I take everything from Will We Ever Live in Peace after that to being about Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, the British were occupying Northern Ireland at the time. They still are. Well, I think the British, true. I mean, yeah, they still are. But I mean. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was, was before the, whatever, the Good Friday peace yeah. accords. Um, but I feel like I've always said this intransigence is probably on Bono's list of how can I get this word, this yeah. weird word. Into, I had to Google it, what it meant. Yeah. It's uh, refusal to change. I feel like it was one of my 10th grade vocab words we've not discussed in a very Very long long time. time. Yeah. Um, Refusal to change one's views or to agree about something. Yeah. I like it. Um, I, I, obviously what we have learned live, which we'll discuss later is that it's definitely a better song. Acoustic. Yes. Um, and I almost, when I hear it on the album, I kind of hear it acoustic. Yeah. It's. Because there is an acoustic guitar in it. I think so. I think Staring at the Sun is sampled in a gorilla song. Oh. But I can't remember the name of the song. It's clearly sampled in there. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I, I know it was like goals. Hashtag Goals. Goals. Like to get Yo, uh, your song sample. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I always did wonder what he left in the duty free. Something. I left my favorite water bottle <gasps> in duty <laughs> free in twenty thirteen. I was so upset. <sighs> I've tried to replace it several times, but it's just not the same. We shouldn't miss the self-mockery line of, of those that can't do often uh, have to break. yes and i highlighted that too i mean i love that yeah i mean that's his job right yeah that that comes up in a more recent song too but my holy joe brain isn't thinking on it okay should we move on yeah okay the next song is last night on earth it's been played the end 93. of side A? Yes. After this, I think, is the end of side No. No, I think you said this is the last song on side A. It's the sixth song, yeah? Sorry, did I create troubles? No. This is the last song on side A. Correct. Yes. Um, It's been played 93 times. I'm guessing you've heard it nine times. I've heard it nine times. I heard it 16 times. Exactly the number of times you saw Pop Mart? Yeah. Okay. So I've never liked this song. I've just, it's never done anything for me. It's just a little weird and I don't know. I just have never been able to get behind it. But I started thinking about it with researching for this app. I kind of feel like it's <laughs> me. <laughs> I So when you were talking about, so I did like, my problem with this song was that I never got it. I'd yeah. like to know, even if it is incredibly general and um, generic, what I'm singing about. Right. 
Well, so and I, I learned more about that today. And then when you were talking about 96, 97, 90, like, yeah, I was like, you were this is you. But I so when, it took me really long time, but it was only today that it kind of came to me. I said it was especially me during the Pop Mart tour, but mm-hmm. I have some lyrics that I cite in just a second. Um, so it was the last song recorded. Bono came up with the chorus at 4 a.m. Right. and recorded it at 7 a.m. His voice was shot, so Edge has more backing vocals, and there's a lot of treatment on Bono's vocals in the chorus. Before they released this as a single, they went back and re-recorded it. Oh, did they? Yeah. I so it's not that. this. It's it's different. I don't. The single's different. I I didn't listen to it to compare it. I just did research. Yeah. Um. So the lyrics. She's living. She's living next week now. You know she's gonna pay you back somehow. <laughs> I. That's one of my. It's, it really doesn't have to do with money, but. Like next week, Hillary will deal with that. Right. This right. week, Hillary's just not gonna. Tomorrow, Hillary will deal with that. Um, she she hasn't been <laughs> in bed in a week. She'll be dead soon. Then she'll sleep again. My life. Yeah. In the late nineties, mm-hmm. like I'll at some point I'll sleep. I don't need to do it right now, but I don't have time for that. But um, but yeah, it's just being kind of out of control and more optimistic about the future, I guess. Um, I have a quote from Gavin about it. Okay. He said, I know that the track's based around a certain kind of woman that we've all met. You're at a party or a club and you just don't know where this 23 year old is getting her energy from. And you're not talking drugs or alcohol. (laughs) Drugs or alcohol here. It's just a vibe, a wild woman who gives you a charge of energy. I was 23 back then. Yeah, there you go. I wasn't wild, but I I, I never stopped going. I guess I was a little wild. Yeah, and not in a dangerous way. No, no, no. Just in a, I had all the energy. I have, at the top I've written down Adam Funk, because it kind of starts funky. Yeah. And then I was like, what is the more you take, the less you feel, the more you have, the more it it takes today. And it's the city of blinding lights. The more you see, the less you know. That same, that same idea. It is, I think, though so there's an a, a aspect of drugs there. The more you take, the less you feel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the type of phrasing. Yes. Um, in order of the wording. I, I um, again, it's never been my favorite, but I, it means a whole lot more to me now than it did and yesterday. I'm just way more forgiving of it. Yeah. It's not meant to be anything. It's like, I like the... The way it starts, there's like a siren in it or it kind of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I like that. It's kind of like someone crashing into a club a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Like, cause a little bit of a scene. I like that you said, though, that you 
that we were on the same page with that because that was mm-hmm. me. And as soon as you were describing it in the beginning of this app, I was like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wait till then. Yeah. I mean, some of that still sticks with me. Yeah. But most of that I've outgrown. At least in spirit. Yeah. Okay, should we move on? Well, do we need to say goodbye for yes, side A? Yes, we do. Until next time. Until side B. Until side B. Which really in our world will be in a minute. In your world will be a whole week. In a minute. More. In a minute. In a minute. In a minute. Remember that from Nickelodeon? In a minute. In a minute. No, I don't remember um, that actually. Really? I think there was an episode of Friends where Chandler says, in a minute. And then Monica's like, what's going to happen in a minute? <laughs> okay. Well, until side B. Boomcha. Boomcha. Hey there, listeners, Jenny here from The Garden Tarts. And if you are a major YouTube fan, which I am assuming you are if you are listening to this, then you are also aware of Bono's work with the organizations Red and One. It is absolutely imperative that we give them all the support we can right now, especially right now, as they are not only dealing with the AIDS epidemic that they have been fighting for years, but now the COVID-19 pandemic as well. So check out one.org and red.org and see how you can help.